0: Hey SIA family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I wanna encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world giving is safe and simple you can go to our app or you can go to our website cfmiami.org slash give well god bless you and i hope you enjoy this message lift your voices up amen hey and can you encourage for just a moment our worship and production team come on all campuses come on give it up for them hey and can you give it up to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ right now come on give it up amen we praise you Lord let me pray for us my Lord God we our children praise you oh Lord father we are gathered together your little children all throughout our campuses Lord father we gather together in spirit Lord and we're here eager to hear from you so father bless us with your spirit Lord teach us the truth from your word And help us to place our hope, O God, in the right places in our lives. We love you, O Lord, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. 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 Come on, give another shout of praise to our God. Man, it is a great day to worship God, amen. Welcome everyone. My name is Zomar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at CF. And if it's your first time right now watching us online, or maybe at one of our campuses, Listen, we are thrilled that you decided to come and and worship God with us. Amen? Let's, give, let's welcome them as well, our first-time guests. Now, we hope, man, you're loving it so far. And uh, we are in the middle of a series called Romans chapter 8, uh, which many consider the greatest chapter in the Bible. And uh, last week, our campus pastors did a phenomenal job teaching us God's Word, right? They did so, so great. And today, we're going to continue this verse-by-verse study, and we're going to look at what is the hope of a child of God, the true hope, where we should, the, the true place where we should place our hope. In fact, I call this message, The Hope of Our Redemption. And so wherever you find yourself, uh, let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 24, and uh, wherever you're watching, you can follow along with me as I read, okay? Listen to God, what God's Word says. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, you and I, listen, we ourselves, we who had the first fruits of the Spirit of God, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies for in this what hope. you can do a little better than that for in this what hope. for in this hope you and i Amen. we were saved in other words god has very clearly taught us in his word where we should place our hope and that is in our future redemption in the future coming of Christ amen that is God's word. you can go and take a seat everybody at all campuses and just let me start off by sharing this with you you know several months ago I, I shared with you that during my college years I dabbled a little bit on the stock market and as a result I lost several hundred dollars which for me at that time was a fortune a lot of money But folks here's what I realized in order to invest in the stock market You either really know to know what you're doing or you need to find a financial professional to help you invest, someone that you can trust. And folks, now stay with me because back in the 90s, there was someone who was a very reputable stockbroker, someone who many people trusted, and his name was Bernie Madoff. In fact, how many of you know who Bernie Madoff is? Yeah, about a third of us know who Bernie Madoff is. Well, you're going to find out who he was. Now, if you're, from, if you're not familiar with who he was, let me just give you a quick overview of who Bernie Madoff was. To begin with, he, Bernie Madoff founded a firm back in the 1960s, and for many years, he was bringing really good, solid returns. He was a very reputable stockbroker. But folks, in the 1990s, something changed. And he wasn't just bringing in really good returns for his investors. He was bringing outrageous returns for his investors. In fact, even when the stock market was going down, 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 his profits were going up, 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 up. In fact, they thought he was like a Wall Street magician. Now, to the point that not only did he lead the Uh, highest-grossing firm in the NASDAQ um, stock market, but, folks, he even became the chairman of the NASDAQ. Folks, here's how he became so successful. He would meet with people, and he would share with them his investment strategy, and he promised, he guaranteed really high returns. And folks, because he had a strong reputation, many people put their hope on Bernie Madoff. Everyone say hope. Hope. Yeah, they put their hope on Bernie Madoff. And, and, And folks, listen, throughout the years, thousands of people placed their hope on Bernie Madoff. But here's the thing. Most of the people that were investing with him were not ordinary people like you and I. They were not just novices, there were people just, just not regular people. No, 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 no. Listen, they were financial professionals, people who knew the industry, people who went to school and understood what a regular expected return. People who knew the stock market, they knew how it worked. And folks, even though his rate of return was contrary to what they knew was realistic, they still place their hope on him. Folks, on December 2008, all that hope came crashing down. In fact, take a look. The news spread fast and quickly engendered panic amongst investors who gathered at the offices of their alleged swindler. Bernard Madoff was a Wall Street legend and pulled in big clients with big checkbooks. They invested their money with Madoff's, in some cases, all of their money, tens of millions of dollars, uh, which apparently he was taking, purporting to be uh, getting 10, 15 percent returns on their money, when in fact he had lost all of it and was just continuing in a pyramid fashion to get more investors' money and, and, and pretending to pay off the old people with good people's money. And now 50 billion dollars in assets are wiped out, gone. His credentials seemed impeccable, a former chair of the Nasdaq, but a man who prosecutors claim used his cloak of professionalism to commit fraud on a massive scale. Madoff is alleged to have duped investors out of a staggering $50 billion in what could turn out to be the largest ever swindle by one individual. When tackled about his activities, the 70-year-old is said to have admitted his operation was just one big lie. Yeah, one big lie. Lie. Listen, the investments were not real, the profits were not real, and everyone's hope came crashing down. Listen, and over 40,000 people in over 125 countries lost, get this, over 65, not million, billion dollars. Like that. Into the air. $65 billion lost by one man. And as a result of where they placed their hope, they lost, uh, many went into depression, and some even took their lives. So don't miss this, because many of the people who placed their hope on Bernie Madoff. Listen, we're financial professionals who should have known better, who should have known what they had been taught. And family, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because what an image of how many Christians place their, their, their hope contrary to what they had been taught. And by that, I mean that just like these financial professionals knew Yet, yeah, listen, we're unwise, place their hope on the wrong place, just like that. And here's the big idea for today. Listen, there are so many Christians, people who've been walking with the Lord for years, for decades, mature Christians who have put their faith in Christ, but on a daily life, they place their hope on other things. See, for many, they say, well, I hope things go well in this business venture. I hope God fixes this problem in my life. I hope God fixes this relationship. I hope my children stay safe. I hope this health issue in my life, in my family, gets resolved. And folks, all those things are not bad things. In fact, we've learned those are things that God, our Heavenly Father, wants us to pray and ask. But listen carefully, that is not where our God has told us to place our hope. Maybe you're here right now watching, thinking, Omar, so where should we place our hope? Where does a child of God, where should we place our hope? We're going to find out today from Romans chapter 8, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8, and uh, you can follow along in our app or in the listening guides that you can pick up on the way in if you prefer to write down notes. Today I have three thoughts for us on what is our hope. See, are you all ready to dive into God's Word today? Yeah? So write this down as point number one. Here we go. The hope of a Christian, the hope of a child of God, is on the return of Christ and their future redemption. Amen. Now, folks, let's go back to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, you and I, who have the first fruits of the Spirit of God in us, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this what? In this what? In this hope, we were saved. Now stop right there and circle the word hope for just a moment. Because the word hope, refers to that one thing in your life and in my life that as we look towards the future, we place our security and our joy in, right? So, so hope is where we look to the future and we place our security, joy, everything we hope for, right? That's, that's the meaning of hope. But unfortunately, the word hope in today's society, the way people use it in today's world, has become synonymous with uncertainty. Think about this. People say, I hope I get that job, I hope. I hope I get into that school. I hope my finances get better, right? I hope, right? And, And so there's a sense of uncertainty in the way people use it, and why? Because everything in this world is uncertain. So it's become synonymous with uncertainty. But folks, listen, get this. God never meant for this word hope to be synonymous with uncertainty. Quite the quite opposite. His view, when he created, imagined this word hope, he, he imagined it with a set of certainty. And the word hope, where we place our hope, is in the second coming of Christ and our future redemption. Why? Because that is a certain fact. A metric family. In fact, listen to how, how Peter puts it in First Peter chapter 1. He says this. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded and set your what? Hope. Set your hope. And notice, set your hope fully. Not partly, That mostly, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation or the second coming of Jesus Christ. And folks, listen, that was the hope of the early church. See, in their mind, the return of Christ was imminent, he was going to come at any moment and say because that was their hope listen they never placed their hope on the temporal things of life right despite the suffering despite the issues despite the conflict listen what their hope was was not on what was happening in their life today it was on the future return of Christ Amen. can I tell you throughout the century, throughout the decades throughout the centuries my fear is that many Christians have lost sight of that hope. The reality is that so many people place their hope not on the return of Christ, but on things going on in their life. In fact, I would venture to say if you ask that question to to people, to to church, to the people of God, a vast majority of would never even think of saying on the return of Christ, that's my hope. Yes, sir. So the question I have for you is, where is your hope? If it's not on the return of Christ, it is not biblical hope. Oh, but Omar, that's not enough for me. If you know all the issues, that is the whole concept of the return of Christ. Listen, that's not enough for me. But listen, then Christ is not enough for you. Then the gospel is not enough for you. Then the promises of God are not enough for you. You see, when we were saved, the hope that we were saved, listen, is on the future return of Christ and our future redemption. Amen? So the question is, okay, so why is our hope, why did Jesus tell us to put our hope there? Well, write this down in of A and B. It's because redemption began at the first coming of Christ, but redemption will be completed at the second coming of Christ. See, when the Lord returns, a vast amount of all of his remaining promises will be fulfilled the moment that he returns. So you're probably wondering, what's going to happen when Christ returns? Well, write this down as big number two. When Christ returns, first of all, creation, the universe, will be redeemed. And here's why, does creation, is waiting for Christ to return. Write this down as letter A. It's because creation was corrupted at Eden, at the Garden of Eden. In fact, let's go back to the verse and to what it says. It says, for the creation waits with eager longing the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope, is creation has a hope, right? In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, folks, here's what many people do not understand. Is it the world that we see today, the world that you saw when you're walking in today, isn't that is, is, is a distorted world? It's a corrupted creation. You see, when Adam and Eve in that garden, when they decided to rebel and sin against God and pull that tree, that fruit off that tree, listen, and sin entered into the world, not only did they mess up everything in their life, but to the degree that it messed up everything in creation. Listen, creation became corrupted. It's not what it used to be when God created it. You know, one of the things that uh, many people love to do It's watch sunsets, right? I'm sure many of you love to watch sunsets. And one of the things that I love to do whenever I'm in the west coast of Florida is to get in the water and watch the sunset come down. Yeah, don't pull my man card or anything like that, but I really enjoy getting to the water. It's just a cool experience to see in the water, see the, the sunsets, it's, it's always beautiful to watch that. In fact, for just a moment, Imagine the most amazing sunset you've ever seen in your life, right? Picture that sunset. you seen it? in that sunset is a corrupted sunset. It's a shadow of what it was at creation. See, and because, listen, Creation is corrupted. Write this down so that B. Creation now groans. It groans for its redemption. In fact, this is what God's word says, again. He says, "For we know that the whole creation has been, what? has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So what does it mean for creation to groan? Listen, we live in South Florida. What season are we in right now? Summer. Hurricane. We are in summer, Nigel. We are in summer. But in summer season, we're also in hurricane season, right? Oh, yeah. And we love the Saharan dust to come because it quiets on the hurricanes, but listen carefully. Listen, we all know the destructive power that hurricanes have. You may not know this, but from my understanding, when Hurricane Andrew stepped here, got here to to South Florida, supposedly the eye came down 168th right here at our Palmetto Bay campus. In fact, this whole building was destroyed. We've seen the destructive power of a hurricane. You go to the Midwest, what do you see, tornadoes. We see, just a few months ago, the destructive power of these tornadoes. If you look around the world, we see flooding everywhere you see all these people losing homes, all this devastation. You go to the west and you see forest fires, turn on the news, you see forest fires. And throughout the world, listen, there are earthquakes rattling and breaking down communities. You see that, we just happened a couple of weeks ago, a major earthquake. And so, folks, all these natural disasters are all creation groaning, groaning for its redemption. And here's what happens. Listen, these natural disasters have been from the beginning of time, from the be- right after the Garden of Eden. But here's the good news the good news for creation is that when Christ returns, part of his restorative work is that he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Amen? And the Bible tells us in 2 Peter that the way that he's going to remake the earth and the universe is by way of fire. Now, I don't understand exactly how this is going to happen, but the, God promises us that when he returns, the way that he's going to remake this heaven and new earth is by the way of fire. And so part of the, re, the hope of creation is to wait for Christ to return because creation knows the moment he returns, there will be a new heaven the new earth. And so, not only is Christ coming to restore creation, but also write this down as big number three. When Christ returns, his people will be fully redeemed. Amen. Like, let's go back to the passage, verse 22. It says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, you and I, who have the first fruits of the Spirit of God, listen, we groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly, notice, for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, some of you may be thinking, wait a second, Omar, you've taught before that we are already redeemed, that I'm redeemed, and you've also taught us from God's word, right, that, that, that we are already adopted children of God, right? We are sons and daughters of the living God. But, but this passage it, it is looking to the future as something to take place, right? In the future, we will be redeemed. In the future, we will be, we will be adopted as sons. So are we already redeemed? Are we, are we already adopted as sons and daughters of the living God? Well, yes. But partly, in fact, write this down as letter A. Listen, the redemption of our souls took place when Christ died on the cross. In fact, listen to what God's word says again. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, Now Christ, what, redeemed us, passed from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written Curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree.'" So, so listen, so get this, at the cross, right, when Christ came at his first coming, when the Lord died on that cross for us, right, he was dying for our sins, right, he was paying the price for our sins to, to free us from the penalty, from the curse of sin. And so the moment that he died for us, when we put our faith in him, listen, we, our souls, our, you know, we were redeemed Because of what Christ did at that cross, right? But folks, listen carefully, write this down as letter B. However, the redemption of our bodies will take place when Christ returns. Now, why would we need new bodies? Well, first of all, listen, these bodies have a sinful nature. This body gets sick, we break down, we eventually die. In fact, the, the passage states that we inwardly groan. By the way, next week I'm gonna be teaching a little more on what does it mean for us to be inwardly groaning and what the Lord does for us, so I'll be back for that next week. But here's what happens. When our physical bodies die, Right? for those who are in Christ, for those who are believers in Christ, our souls go to be with the Lord. However, we do not have our future bodies yet. Now keep in mind, our souls were designed to have a body. That's the way we were designed. So even though, right, after you and me pass away, we will be with Christ, we will be enjoying him in the presence of the Lord, all those amazing experiences, right? Right? Listen, we are still not fully complete because we don't have our bodies, future bodies yet. But what the Lord promises us is when he returns, he is going to give us a brand new body, what they call a glorified body. And folks, here is why it is so important, so important that we get new bodies. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, I tell you, brothers, I tell you, sisters, flesh and blood. Listen, these bodies, these bodies, these earthly bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Christ's Fellowship, listen, God is going to reveal a mystery to you now. It says this. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. Listen carefully. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound when Christ returns. Listen carefully. And the dead, and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal body puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So get it. When Christ returns, scripture says it's going to be an archangel that blows a trumpet that everyone on earth hears, right? And the moment that he returns, two things are going to happen. First of all, for those who have passed away already, it says that their body, those dead bodies in the grave will resurrect, and they'll have a brand new body. And for those of us who have not died yet, it says in the twinkling of an eye, These earthly bodies will turn into heavenly bodies. We will turn from these perishable bodies, imperishable bodies, will turn into imperishable bodies, these new glorified bodies. And, folks, we need, here's why it's important. We need these bodies in order to experience the future heaven. We need those new bodies. And, folks, it makes sense. Think about this. Fish have a body perfectly suited for their life in the water. Birds have a body perfectly suited for life in air, in the air. Animals they have a body perfectly suited for life on land, and humans have a body perfectly suited by God to experience this earth. But listen, the body that we are going to get is perfectly suited to truly experience heaven. So the question that a lot of people have when we talk about these things, right, It's what are these bodies going to look like? Well, we get a lot of cues from the resurrected body of Jesus. So one of the things we we, we realize, right, is that we are going to be recognizable. That when we get to heaven, we're going to see each other and we are going to recognize each other. I'm going to see Chip and say, Chip, how are you, Chip? We're going to say, hey, Maria, hey, John Michael. You know, we're going to see each other, and we're going to be able to recognize each other just like the disciples recognized Jesus. We're going to recognize each other. But let me just give us for a moment a bird's-eye view of the differences between these two different bodies. So for example, this body, our earthly bodies, it has a sinful nature. We're tempted by sin and we give into sin. We experience sin. But folks, those glorified bodies, new bodies, will, have, will not have a sinful nature. We won't be tempted by sin and we will never give in to sin and experience sin ever again. Let me tell you something. What I think one of the, the coolest, most wonderful, oddest things that we're all going to experience is how is it to live in a body that does not give in to sin, does not tempt sin, right? What, what a glorious thing that would be for our turn. It's going to be so wonderful and odd because we're, just so, we're so used to a sinful nature. But not only that, listen, these bodies, we get sick, and we eventually die. Those future bodies... We'll never get sick and will never die. Listen, these bodies, listen, get depressed and anxious. Many of you right now are sitting here, you are discouraged, you're anxious about something. In those future bodies, we will never get anxious. We will never get discouraged. You will never be sad. In these bodies, you get hurt, you get hit, you feel pain, you suffer. In those bodies, you will never feel pain ever again. You will never suffer ever again. You know, in these bodies, we hunger and thirst. In those bodies, we will never hunger or thirst. Now, let me explain something here. I think it's important for us to understand. That does not mean that in our future bodies, our glorified bodies, that we will never drink or eat. In fact, when we saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, he ate a piece of broiled fish. Remember that, the fish, right? So he ate fish, and one of the promises that we have is that when all redemption is done and all his children are gathered together in heaven, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? So we're going to get together, and we're going to share a meal with the Lord. It's going to be amazing, But the difference is that now you and I drink and you and I eat for sustenance. If you don't drink for a couple of days, for several days, you're going to feel it. You're going to die. If you don't eat, eventually you will die. But in in the new body, listen, we will be able able to eat not out of necessity for sustenance, but simply out of joy and pleasure. Amen? Amen. Someone loves to eat over there, right? We're like, man, I can't wait to eat that burger with no consequences, right? You know, in, that, in this body, we travel slowly. You know, when you walk, it's three, four, five miles per hour. You know, you can run, and some of us are a little faster than others. We get it, but for the most part, we're pretty slow. We see with Jesus that he actually traveled rather quickly. It seems like glorified bodies, he traveled long distances quickly. It seems that our glorified bodies are not, no longer... Bound to the law of, gra- of gravity, that's just for this created order, which is another thing that we're going to get used to in that new body in, in that new world. And last but not least, listen, there'll be no more disability and no more scars. You know, many of us know people who are disabled, who have mental illnesses. Who have scars because of an issue an operation a fall listen that new world there'll be no more wheelchairs there are no no more mental institutions there'll be no more illnesses of any kind and listen your body will be perfect a perfect brand new body for all eternity and so let me end with this there is going to be one body in heaven that is not perfect. And that body is of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because even now, listen, he is still bearing the marks of the cross. You know, when he resurrected, he showed the disciples, look at my wounds, look at my scars. And for all eternity, for thousands of years, We're going to look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in heaven, and we will always be reminded of what it took our Lord to save us, to redeem us, so that we could spend eternity in heaven. And So forever, listen, he will always bear the scars of the cross. And maybe you're here today, and the reality is that you're going through a very difficult time in your life. there's an issue in your life, you're discouraged, you're anxious, you're worried. In fact, you've only heard half of my teaching because the other half, your mind is on that issue in your life. And and one of the things that you're wondering is, does God remember me? Does God know what's going on in my life? Does he remember me? Because sometimes I feel so alone. I feel like he forgot me. And so does he remember me? Listen to what God's word says. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you. On the palms of my hands. <clears throat> I said, whatever issue you have going on in your life, until that Lord returns, remember that His mind is set on you. Yes. That every time He looks at his, at his hand and His feet and the wound on the side, He remembers you, son, He remembers you, daughter. And, folks, that is why he promises that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Can we get an amen to that and praise the Lord for that? And, you know, perhaps you're here right now and you're brand new. You're watching for the first time online. Maybe it's your first time here at one of our campuses. Maybe it's your first, second, third time. You're just a newcomer. You're new to the things of God. You're new to this church, and you're trying to figure things out. But there's something in you that right now says, you know what, Omar, I don't really know much about anything, but what I do know is that I know I need God. That I need a relationship with God. I need to get right with God. I am tired of living this life without God. I need the Lord. So, Omar, what do I have to do to start this personal relationship with God? But the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Saved from their sin, saved from eternal punishment, and saved into eternal life with the Lord. Pastor, I, I, I want to be saved. I want a relationship with God. Well, well what do I have to do? do is, does it come into church? I'm sitting here right now. I'm doing the God thing. It's, it's being good. I, I, I do good works. I, I can do rituals. I can do, listen, nothing like that. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So there has to come a point in your life where you put your trust no longer on the things of this world, no longer how good you are, but rather on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the moment you put your trust in him, you call on him, he forgives you of all of your sin, all of your shame. He brings you closer to become a son and daughter of the living God. And now you start a personal relationship with the Lord, and you look forward to your future redemption whenever the Lord decides to come back. Amen. So the question is: Are you ready? Are you ready to start a relationship with the Lord who loves you and the Lord who died for you? Let's bow our heads for prayer. You know, for those of you who, who who want to start a personal relationship, in a few moments, listen. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But before I do that, listen. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to ask you to do something. In a few moments, if you feel like you are ready to start this walk with the Lord, to start this relationship with the Lord, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand with no one looking around with all heads bowed. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to to put a microphone to you, nothing like that. No one's going to be looking. All heads are bowed. But it's just a way of saying, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to start this personal relationship with the Lord. I'm ready to start my journey with him. And, you know, there's something healthy. The moment that the faith in your heart becomes physical, it's something that's special that confirms in your heart that, you know what? Yes, I'm ready. So if that's you, listen, with no one looking around, all heads bowed. There's a private moment. So if that's you, as many people have already come to know Christ this weekend, if that's you, when no one looking around with all eyes closed, if you say, Pastor, just pray for me, and I'm ready to take this step. If, you, if that's you, just raise up your hand right now. You say, Pastor, I just pray for me. Anybody here today that says, yeah, I see you, I see you, I see you, amen. I see you, I see you as well. Anybody? I see you, sir. Anybody else in the back? At all campus, raise your hand if that's you. Amen. I see you too as well. Anybody else? I see you in the back. Anybody else? Amen. At all campuses, amen. Go ahead and put your hand down. Listen, whether you lifted up your hand or not, it doesn't really matter ultimately because the Lord sees your heart. So if that's you, I want, you, I want to lead you in a prayer when you pray this prayer and you don't you don't pray to me i've told you before i'm only a man i cannot save you, you pray to the god who loves you and who died and sent his son to die for you right so that's you pray this quietly to yourself say this lord today i was reminded of how lost this world is of how corrupted this world is and of how much i need you lord So I come before you. I confess all of my sins before you. And I put my trust in you. I put my trust in what Jesus Christ did for me at the cross, how he died for my sins to give me a new life. So, Lord, today I surrender my life and help me now to walk a life in a way that honors you and glorifies you. And let me put my hope not on the things of this world, but on the future redemption that awaits me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. It's in the precious name of Jesus I, I pray, and all of God's people say amen. amen. Hey, can you encourage, man, so many hands across all campuses. Lord to God, listen carefully. If, you, if you're watching online and you pray that, Go to cfmiami.org connect fill out that form online and one of our pastors will follow up with you but if you're one of our campus listen i would encourage you i know it's easy you're hungry right you want to go out listen stop by the next step booth at your campus you'll see a big sign says next step stop by right there we our teams will be able to connect with you for a brief moment give you a brand new bible but what's important is that then our pastors could then follow up with you and help you take next steps in your walk with Christ. Right. So on your way out, make sure you stop by your next step booth. Right. Well, I'm going to call all campus pastors to the front. Christ I'll be back next week as we continue this series on Romans chapter eight. I love you all. Have a great weekend.